Today's episode of Damn Good Podcast is brought to you by NetSuite. Successful companies know faster growth requires the right tools. If you're doing one, 10, or hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue, NetSuite by Oracle gives a full picture of your business. Finance, inventory, HR, customers, and more, all in one place. Over 19,000 companies trust NetSuite, the world's number one cloud business system. Schedule your free product tour right now and receive your free guide, Seven Key Strategies to Grow Your Profits, at netsuite.com slash listen. That's netsuite.com slash listen. We just stepped on their face with a hobnail boot and broke their nose. We just crushed their face. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Damn Good Podcast. We are in a little bit of a lull here. Signing day is over. It is actually a dark period, they call it, in recruiting. So Kirby Smart and his staff, ever vigilant on the recruiting trail, are kind of forced to be home for a month. The Georgia basketball team is huh, not exactly giving us much to talk about in February. Jeff and I will talk about they're that. Also, they're also in a dark Yes, period. yes, they are also in a dark yeah. Good, well, well put. And by the way, Jeff Schultz is All on right. the podcast today um, after a merciful uh, one week <laughs> off. But unfortunately, he's back. You just heard him. Um, we'll talk about Georgia basketball in a little bit. But first, we'll, we'll kind of piggyback on recruiting and – and what I, I so I wrote a story a day or two after uh, signing day about how there, there, these headlines came out that showed that Georgia's recruiting budget was basically the size of several uh, South American countries. Um, literally, I think it was like three point six million this past year, and so everyone said, "Whoa!" You know, and but I wrote as I wrote, if you delve a little deeper into it. It's connected to Georgia's out-of-state recruiting. The bigger kind of story here is that Georgia has recruited so much out-of-state under Kirby Smart when everyone had kind of said, hey, just come in and close off the borders and Georgia will be number one in recruiting every year. Well, as it turns out, they've been basically number one in recruiting the last three years, but they've been doing it by going and getting players from all over the country. And so when you do that, you have to spend a lot of money. You have to charter planes. You have to do that. And then some of it is also accounting, as it was explained to me by someone uh, close to the program that, you know, how, how certain things are counted um, by some schools may not be the other. This, this person opined that Georgia was actually not number one in the country in recruiting budget. It's just how some programs count it and how some don't. But that's my short little spiel on it. I understood, Jeff, that you had an opening tirade about uh, about money and and. <laughs> oh, I thought you, I thought we were talking about the chop and whether it needed to. Stop I'm, I'm not familiar. Did you write something game. this week that was uh, <laughs> polarizing? Yeah, yeah. I I, I could have picked something less polarizing and just written about the president or you know politics in general, but I, I decided to go to the calmer topic. Okay. No, no, we'll we'll stick to recruiting for now. Um, well, you know, a lot of people may not know this, maybe including you, Seth, but I actually covered Stanford for a couple of years in the Bay Area. And um, that was a school that recruited nationally a lot because you couldn't just rely on people in the Bay, recruits in the Bay Area and in California um, 
to come to Stanford because obviously they had to achieve a certain academic level and Stanford had to be the right place for them. Then they have to want to come to Stanford. Mm-hmm. Um, and But the difference was in terms of recruiting budget, because I don't think their budget at that time relatively was larger than anybody else's. It was probably smaller. Um, but at that time, a kid who was just really smart and happened to be a great athlete often wanted to go to Stanford. So they sort of saved some money there. Um, I'm not saying they didn't go out and visit them, but it, it wasn't like Kirby Smart going to Hawaii twice or, or James Coley, James in this Coley. case, going to Hawaii twice Get to, your story to, to go recruit a quarterback. Yeah, as you as you wrote in your, your piece. And so, um, it, it, but look, I have an overriding thought on, I don't have a problem with Georgia's, specifically Georgia's recruiting budget. If I did my math right, almost tripling in the last four yes. years uh, from $1.3 million in the 2014-15 academic season to the to $3.6 million, I guess, now. Uh, I mean, that's... <laughs> and, and we also have, I think, at least 15 college football coaches making $5 million or more per season mm-hmm. now. Um, I think... Kirby, I think uh, Nick Saban was the first. Uh, I would imagine he was the first. And, and I think it's great that amateur athletics can can thrive. Uh, amateur. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess my thought is, look, I understand that everything in life, particularly when it comes to the economics, is going to get bigger and bigger and generally. I mean, you have SEC network money. Uh, in the case of Georgia, you have local radio TV deals, local sponsorship deals. I understand the money's going to get bigger. I would just like to see some sort of ceiling or maybe some sort of control mechanism or potentially some sort of cap or agreement. And I don't know if that's an agreement among SEC schools. I don't know if that's an agreement among Power 5 schools. I don't know if we do this for all college football programs in general. I think that would probably not be realistic. But to me, I would like to see some sort of limits put in place, let's say just within Power 5 schools, about this is how much you can spend on recruiting. This is how much you can spend on ABC. You all can have a helicopter if you want to have a helicopter, but that's coming out of this budget. You don't get a separate helicopter budget. I just think it's gotten ridiculous. I mean, I, I look, and I'll finish off with this. I was at a... My my son-in-law coaches at McEachern High School, and I was in a McEachern High School game and um, this past season. And and Jeff Collins at Georgia Tech, he's got a helicopter too now. Yeah. <laughs> and Jeff Collins helicoptered in like very early in the game uh, at, at an adjacent field, so everybody saw him. And then you know stayed for maybe half the game, and then helicoptered out, and everybody saw him and. You know, this is late at night, and I'm sure he was going to another school from there. Maybe I don't know, but I—is I, that really necessary? Do we, do we really need that kind of expense and extravagance? And I'm not saying this to pick on Jeff Collins because Kirby Smart does it, and a lot of them do it now. Um, I just happen to be there to see this, and I just—I I don't think it's necessary. Now, I just—it's it, out of control. And yes, I understand I'm the old guy <laughs> who grew up in a different way when this was. Stop coughing! Sorry. You're interrupting me. 
in 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 college sports and and it, even if it wasn't purely amateur back then, it was certainly closer to now. I want to see some sort of controls in place. Am I am I alone on this? Two thoughts. Number one, I didn't un- I didn't know that Bernie Sanders would be joining us on the podcast today. <laughs> um, I thought he was a little busy campaigning over there. I will take the Mayor Pete role here. Um, I love the I love the, the segue to politics. Amy, uh, okay, I can, I can keep this going uh, a bit. Um, and say, don't, don't go, Elizabeth. This, Please don't go, Elizabeth. No, Warren. no, no, no. <laughs> uh, the this idea, and this is probably the harshest I'm, I've ever been on you. Like in reality, like mm-hmm. this is actually a, me being mm-hmm. serious. The idea that you put mm-hmm. some sort of ceiling or whatever on this spending or salaries, whatever. It's it's that's to me, it's illegal. Anti- it's it's un-American. Anti-American. I mean, I, the market will yeah, bear well, what well, the market it, will bear. The Kirby Smart's getting seven million dollars a year himself, and a $3.6 million budget for his football recruiting budget, plus a, I think the team, you know, whatever his salary pool is this year, I think it'll probably end up being around $6 million. We'll find out Dan Lanning's raise and, and what else anybody else on the staff is getting. But he's getting all that money, Jeff, because the market will bear that and because his school will get will bear that because the school is getting that money and has that money and, by the way, has a lot left over. I mean, we can talk about the reserve fund if we want and how desperate Georgia is not to touch that, even though it's just sitting there, not making any money. Um, but they've got the money. We can. I don't think you can cap spending. It's just it's illegal, which, by the way, gets into why – People like us, I think Jeff and you and I do agree on on student athletes, players, and them not getting a piece of the pie. That cuts into it. Absolutely. Part of the reason there's all this money in college athletics to throw out for for coaches and for recruiting budgets and whatever is because they're not paying their employees, who you know the people who actually play the games. Um, and I, look, you can say then we get into the whole, you know. Yeah, then we get into the paying players things, and is this you know really are we turning it into pro athletics if if we do that? Yeah, this is already a professional sport. This is already professional. The money shows this is professional, and it. it I'll flip the argument back. I, I, what I always say to people who say, you know, the the players shouldn't be paid; they should be happy with an education. It's like okay, so the coaches by that measure should also only accept like a cap they should only accept just room and board enough for you know a living wage same for the administrators same for media covering it um the only people we're putting a cap on is the athletes so my that that's my long-winded not really centered point there but that the money is there and they've i think got to figure out a way to include the athletes um, in a way that makes everyone happy, but I don't think they ever will. I think we're going to be talking about this and that part of it in 100 years. Yeah, I don't, you know, the, the whole salary component of a coach is, I, I, I get what you're saying, but look, putting a cap on spending limits is not illegal. That, that's why we have things like collective bargaining agreements and salary caps. So it's not illegal. People just have to agree to it. You want to argue it's un-American, and, and and averse to capitalism, that's fine. I can I can deal with that, but it's not illegal. And and we have professional sports leagues that that 
you know, confirm. I guess that. with so, yeah, with baseball, the international yeah. signing budget, which there was a GM in Atlanta who went well, they, went, well you know, all the got fired. All the for, have, yeah, well, that's yeah. yeah well, we're we're gonna leave out we're gonna leave out John Coppola and, and money in paper bags. And look, I'm not saying people aren't gonna cheat. I mean, and look, if if you put in, let's say, uh, you know, uh, a two or three million dollar cap for all Power Five schools for recruiting budget. Um, I'm not saying that, you know, I don't, I don't want to, I was lapsed into a, a Southern nickname. I'm not going to do that in this case, but I'm not going to say that there's not going to guy who, who owns a corporation saying, Hey, go ahead, borrow my helicopter to go look at that guy. And, you know, and, or buy, borrow my private plan to go, go recruit that kid in Hawaii. Nobody has to know about it. It won't come out of your budget. Of mm-hmm. course that's going to happen, but that's cheating happens. Um, um, but I, I, I still think, and I'm going to leave the salary, the coach salary component, put that aside for a minute because I do think that's a whole separate issue. But I, I do, I would like to see some situation. I would like to hold on to at least some small morsel of amateurism and fairness. And I'm not saying that Wake Forest and Vanderbilt and Duke are ever going to be able or should be able to, well, they should, but are ever going to be able to compete on the same level as Georgia and Florida and Alabama and LSU and, and football uh, from a from a dollar standpoint. That's their choice not to, and that's fine. <clears throat> but I would like to see some sort of parameters or structure in place saying, this is how much you're allowed to spend on this sport. I, 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 and I don't, I don't think that's unreasonable at all. Um, and however you want to figure out the numbers, that's fine. I just think it's reached, reached absurd proportions and I'm not anti-American. I was born in this country, and I yes, I think a guy should make as much money, or a woman should make as much money as, as they can make. I di- I just think it's it's gotten ridiculous. It's gotten wasteful. I don't think coaches need to be going from football field to football field in helicopters. Uh, I don't think coaches need to be flying to Hawaii twice for a quarterback who, uh, who ends up not going there. I just don't. I I just I don't think it's necessary. I think there's other ways you could spend your money. Um, and that's that's me. That's that's yeah. I mean, the, 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 but the, I'll just get back to the market will bear what the market will bear, and and the reason that there's all this money at a school like Georgia or at SEC school is because of the fan interest in that results in money coming in via uh, season ticket donations, donations in general, and most importantly, the TV money, and so that money comes in and mm. it's going to go somewhere. So if it's not – if you're putting a cap on how much <clears throat> is being spent back into football, where's the money going? Um, I mean, we – Oh, you know what? If the, if the biggest problem is where you're going to spend the money, I'll, I'll be happy to work for free and tell them how they can spend Well, what money. I'm saying give them is a list, And the money, give them a list of 100 the, things. The money is coming in for football. So then I if, understand you, that. if you cap I it and say the spending is, is, is ridiculous, then – that's a little kind of unfair. I mean, they're not they're not running a charity here. This is the reason that these guys will helicopter all over the place is because it's competition. Um, yeah, some of it's it because is, they it's because they can. Yeah, I they, get it. Yeah. I get it. I, I I'm just saying they're. I'm just saying that should not be the determining factor because you have all this money, you should be able to spend all this money. That's my view of this situation. I think it's. I, I just don't. It's not equitable, and I understand it's competition. Don't get me wrong. I just, uh, I just, I just, I would like to see some controls in place, and and I don't think because Georgia has ten million dollars more than whatever X school that 
Georgia should spend ten million dollars. Should be able to spend ten million dollars more than X school. That's my view of it, <clears throat> and I understand that you know people, maybe including one on this podcast, might disagree with me. Um, but that's you know I, uh, I I just think it's gotten ridiculously out of control. Or let's just full fledged make it a professional league, you know. <laughs> And which is pretty much it's, what it it's is professional. Way. I mean, it's that's and that's yeah, the dichotomy yeah. that is. I'm not sure I'm using the word. dichotomy. Well, then right, if it's but. then if it's professional, then I like you said, we do agree on this. If it's professional, then pay the damn athletes <laughs> and, yeah. and 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 hell, let them unionize. I'm, I mean, you know, that, I'm with you and, there. And, and, I mean, and let's and let's and let's have a collective bargaining <laughs> agreement. I mean, and then the and maybe then these controls could be in place. You can't have it both. No, ways. no. I mean, I yeah. I don't yeah. want to have it both ways. I'm on the side of the coaches, the administrators, and the people that say the money is there; they should be able to spend it. When they say that the the players, the, the current setup they have with the players not getting anything other than you know, oh, they get an education and they get cost of attendance on top of it. Well, you know, great. Uh, that's that's an easy out for saying that we're not going to share this huge piece of pie. It's, it's it, totally ignoring that there's all this money that's coming in that they're not getting while they're here, um, whether it's you know, putting it in a trust fund that they can get when they get out. Uh, that's that's one thing. But like to say they're getting an education, that's I'm, – I'm sorry. That's just not the, – the value of an education – if the value of an education were the same for everybody, then everybody would be earning the same amount of money in America. They're not. Um, there's there's different. You, you, if you're pulling in money for the school while you're here, then you're 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 getting more than quote unquote the value of an education. So I just I get yeah. What, what's the yeah? What, what's the value of an education for a kid like Anthony Edwards who's basically going to leave after yeah. one year? The value of education of a kid who stops going to classes because it's bowl games and he's going to turn pro anyway. I mean, it's like, I mean, yeah, people aren't being well. There, yeah, and there's this. I've I've, I've um, used so. this example. I think when I talked about this with Rennie Curran before, um, I used the example of Tay Crowder, a player like that for Georgia who was not among the 10 who was invited to the NFL combine. So you're kind of confirming that he's probably not an NFL player. Maybe he'll maybe he'll get a chance, maybe he'll be a guy that goes to a camp, you know, never know if he'll stick around, but he's not a guy who's going to make a lot of money in the NFL. But while he was at Georgia, he did a lot for Georgia. He was I think a two-year starter at inside linebacker for a very good defense, one of the best in the country this past year. His play to grab that squib kick in the Rose Bowl, maybe one of the most important in program history. You can't tell me that Tay Crowder, all he deserved to get for his five years at Georgia was the value of an education. To for what I don't know what he's majoring in, I don't know what he's going to go do. I think he deserves more of the piece of the cut of the pie of all this money out there than he's getting right now. Um, and, and that he's just an example. There's many other examples of that. Uh, Tyler Simmons may be a guy that um, he was in the news this week, by the way. Uh, Tyler Simmons. Yeah, yeah, yeah I saw that. <laughs> guy yeah, that yeah. we have confirmation from the official at the game. He was not <laughs> offside. Confirmation. Yeah, yeah um, good. Just what we yeah. needed. Great. They're going to replay the game yeah, next year or what? <laughs> two years too late, but okay. Uh, yeah, and, and so let's let's now segue into the basketball part of it where 
Now, Georgia, I don't know that you make much money at Georgia on basketball. It's, it's, it's a revenue sport, but just a small portion of it for football um, or that football is. But there's there's and the thing you hear from athletes all the time is that they it's not just what you see. It's not just them playing in the game. It's not just practice. It's all the other stuff they have to do too, the training that goes into it which is why that they kind of feel like they're not getting what they deserve. Um, but let's say that, that was just a completely off the books uh, point. But I was, I was just going to let you go. That was a quick tangent. I, I, mean, I, I, I'm I still, don't want to. Fr- frankly, frankly, Seth, I'm still reeling a little bit by the Bernie Sanders reference. Uh, so, okay, f- yeah. before the record, before you continue on what whatever the hell you were talking about. I'm, I'm not going to go back I think to that. we were it going was, to another cross. Really okay, point. good, yeah, yeah. Bernie Sanders reminds me of when you have the big family Thanksgiving dinner and Bernie Sanders is the, is the old drunk uncle at the end of the table who basically just starts ranting about anything and everyone just kind of looks at each other and goes, eh, let him go, it's yeah. Bernie. But Bernie is the crazy uncle at the Thanksgiving table. So I just want to put that on the record. I'm not a Bernie Sanders fan. I felt compelled to say that because you – seemed to reference that I was Bernie Sanders and I got people okay. on Twitter saying I must love Bernie okay. Sanders and I'm I feel much better now that I said that um but I'm sure he's a fine human being and and I'm sure he like everybody is very upset about what's happened to to George Yes Bassett all right before. so let's go let's get into that <laughs> You didn't think I was going to circle yeah, back yeah, did you Very very well done very well done <laughs> So we're sitting here late <laughs> in year 2 under Tom Crean yes. I I wrote a column and um, actually, it looks like a lot of people read it. Surprising for Georgia basketball. So we're actually going to talk about it. Um, but the column is there for it. people to read. Jeff, what do you think? Where do you think we are with Tom Crean at this point at Georgia? I hate to say this since we were having so much fun disagreeing on stuff, but I actually agreed with almost everything you wrote Damn. the other day. Um, I, I, I thought he was a good hire. At that time, I thought he was about as good a hire as you could make. A guy who had a winning resume at at a major, two major, well, a couple major programs. Um, and, made Marquette and major. Made Marquette major, correct? Which 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 is, counts for something. Uh, he recruited some some really good players. Um, uh, he sold. He he was a great salesman. Um, he got people excited. I think that was about as good as you could expect uh, for a Georgia basketball coach to to accomplish on day one. Um, I, I obviously bring. We've talked about recruiting Anthony Edwards ad nauseum. I mean, I I, I wrote something earlier this year that you know and quoted you know Jay um, Billis on it and a couple other people. That potentially could open the door to Georgia getting this kind of athlete, which we'll find out uh, if they do or not. But ultimately, he's going to have to win. And I, yes, I was among the people who thought Georgia uh, was a tournament team this year. Not overwhelming tournament team, but certainly a team that should be good enough to get into the tournament. Uh, And I've been very disappointed. I think the last game I was actually physically at was the Kentucky game. I wasn't as down on them after that game after as a lot of people were um, because I, I still thought I saw a program yeah. that, was, that was getting better and they were playing a really good team 
And I thought, I think we, you and I both looked at their schedule the rest of the way, that they had a chance to win some games, assuming they played like that the rest of the way, and that hasn't Yeah, happened. I thought and after they, that blown Kentucky and, game, it reminded me yeah. of the Kentucky game in 2015, the last year that they made mm-hmm. the tournament where they played Kentucky that when they were unbeaten late in the year. That game where Georgia led most of the way, Kentucky rallied, stayed unbeaten, electric atmosphere. Um, Georgia got into the tournament based on mainly the a lot on the eye test for playing Kentucky that competitive. I thought they looked that way. That game reminded me of that Kentucky game. Instead, this mm-hmm. time, it has not gone that way. No, you can't. I mean, blowing two 20-plus point leads, uh, you know, second halves of games, uh, losing at home to Alabama, was at Alabama yeah. the other day, the other night, um, you know, when you had a – a decent lead that's you know these are you have to bank wins and they're they're not winning games and and i understand the whole concept of you have to learn how to win and we're young and all that stuff but guess what every every college basketball team is young um and every college basketball team has to learn how to win so this is really on tom crane and i'm sure tom knows that uh he has to he has to coach them up and and cut down on mistakes and cut down on dumb shots late in games and turnovers. And, and he has to teach them how to win and he has to call time out when things yeah. are not going well. Um, and, and the chances obviously of them making the tournament now are, are long. They would have to go on an incredible run, not just the rest of the season, but obviously be impressive in the sec tournament. I'm not saying it can't happen, <clears throat> and I'm not saying, by the way, that Tom Crean still can't be a very good basketball coach at Georgia, but this year is a disappointment. And and assuming they don't make the tournament this year, um, we can operate on that assumption. Right. There's going to be some heat on him going into next year, twofold. Number one, there's going to be heat on him on on how well the recruiting continues because to kids from the outside who are considering Georgia now not consider Georgia. And then there's going to be heat on him from how, how do they perform on the court next year? Yeah. So um, it's an, it's it, year two, I, even if it's not going to be a defining year in your career at Georgia, it is an important year. And um, it's, it will be interesting to see how he and the program responds. Yeah. I, and I was on, um, I was on a, I think it was, uh, it was the Peter Burns show on uh, Peter Burns does a good job on Sirius XM. Uh, and we actually talked entirely about basketball, the entire segment, which is surprising. Um, I guess there's not too much to talk about football right now, but I, I made two points in defense of like not throwing away the Tom Crean era, <laughs> excuse me, mm-hmm. at Georgia yet. And, but both are in the column too, which is Tom Crean has a history of pulling himself out of this. He did it in Indiana uh, when they, you know, he inherited a completely different situation in Indiana than he did at Georgia. <coughs> Let's be clear: Georgia was not a rebuild. He was hired for much the same reason Kirby Smart was hired when Mark Rick was fired to take things to the next level. They they had plateaued under Mark Rick. They had plateaued under Mark Fox. But Fox left the program in good shape. Crean has come in and it has regressed. That may mean that he's having a transition and it may be that you have to get worse before you get better. And he, at Indiana, they regressed immediately under Tom Crean. 
and had three down years, but it was, of course, because of crippling sanctions. Once he was able to get fully scholarshiped and recruit, uh, no longer have sanctions, then they started to take off. Um, he inherited a program at Marquette that was very down. You know, they had gone to the Final Four under Al McGuire in the 70s, but it, it was not. You know, they were riding off that history and really hadn't done much. Um, and then, so this was Tom Crean's first head coaching job in 1999. They go, you know, 15 and 14, 15 and 14. Then they take off, um, make the tournament, and then in year four with Dwayne Wade go to the Final Four. And then they sustained after that. So anyway, the, the Tom Crean history is he can do it. And perhaps more importantly, the history of SEC coaches recently in basketball, school, other schools have done this. They've hired coaches at football-first schools who have an established track record outside the SEC and come in. Rick Barnes, well, Bruce Pearl not outside the SEC, but um, same thing holds. Frank Martin and Ben Howland. These are guys that have come into the SEC and started slow and then took off. So I, I, I don't think we can sit here and, and bury it. It's way, way premature to do that. But I, I purposefully used that headline that this is a discouraging start for Tom Crean. I mean, it, it, it's discouraging. Yeah, it's, it, it's not disqualifying. He could I could still see him turning around and having success here, but – Look, this is what people knocked Mark Fox for, that he had the SEC Player of the Year twice in Contavious Caldwell-Pope and Yante Maiden and did not make the tournament in those two years. And Tom Crean's having one of those years. I don't know if Edwards is going to win SEC Player of the Year, but he's going to get a lot of votes, and he's going to be a candidate to be one of the you know, top picks in the draft, and they're not coming close to the tournament. And so that's, that's discouraging. And like you said, Jeff, in college basketball, everyone's young. It's, you know, they're not, not literally everyone. There's some teams that have a lot of veteran presence. But also, by the way, Georgia is not everyone young. Rayshon Hammonds is out there as a junior. Tyree Crump and Jordan Harris are playing, occasionally starting. They're seniors. They're, they've got a grad transfer, Darnell Gresham Jr., who, who's playing a lot, who's a senior. So, I don't know. Don't, don't say, you know, Georgia's so young – uh, and and say that that's the excuse because it's not entirely accurate. Yeah, I, I wish it's it's one thing if uh, like I wish for for Tom is that he wouldn't reference that frequently about how young they are um, because we know. But again, that's everybody. I, I every coach always thinks their team is not, young. <laughs> it's just yeah, they always think yeah, that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just 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 you know, just take ownership and say. It's on me. I have to make them better. Just leave it at that. And and we're making these mistakes. I have to. I have to coach them out of those mistakes. Just 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 leave it at that. And you know, I'll say one other thing. You t- you talked about you know, um, a Crane taking over a, a a program that was not in bad shape under Mark Fox. And I agree. But I mean, sometimes I almost liken that to like Kirby took over a program for from Mark Rick that was not in bad shape. Um, and and still had a relatively horrible or or say discouraging yeah. first year eight and five and, and a few of those and, losses yeah. or a few of those wins were so close it could have yeah. been worse. Yeah, the, they were in the they were in the Liberty Bowl. Yeah. It was not a good year. And and um, and and you know sometimes I'm not saying it's easy. It's easier when you take over a down program. But it is sort of easier to the degree that you 
can implement your own program, your own agenda and style of doing things. And, and you're taking over players who generally have not tasted success. So the players that you're inheriting are a little more bendable, mm-hmm. let's say. Um, I don't know that that was the, I mean, I, I'm sure that wasn't the case when Kirby took over Mark Rick. There were a number of players who I think did resist um, the way he was doing things. And I think we saw that in year one, whether that was in games or practices or off season or whatever. And, and maybe there, there, there was some degree uh, of that to, um, to players that Tom took over last year too. I don't know that certainly by year two, that shouldn't be the case. Um, but I'm just saying sometimes when you take over a program, that's, that's decent. Um, that doesn't mean that you should be able to take it to the next level right away because it's still, it's still kind of starting over. I'll, I'll close with this thought, not close the whole show. I'll allow you to comment on it. Uh, if you want, yes, I will allow that Jeff. But, um, I think what we've seen this year is a, market correction in the perception of Tom Crean at Georgia because for many people based on even though they went 11 and 21 last year with what with a roster that should have been better than that maybe not they shouldn't have made the tournament but they should have been better than that even though they were they struggled on the court people were very optimistic and thought that you know Tom Crean was going to be the best thing that ever happened to Georgia basketball because of the recruiting I mean the Anthony Edwards thing was a transformational moment but not only him but just the overall recruiting class because they got I think four more guys that were in the top 100 and the energy he was instilling in the program um, with how much he was promoting it and also the style of play that people found so refreshing from the Mark Fox era but what has happened is expectations went up for this year Maybe they weren't. I, I kind of I thought that I kept saying I, I put them at forty percent chance to make the NCAA tournament, which is pretty damn close to a coin flip. But now they're not going to unless they win the SEC tournament. So what we have now seen is a correction, or what should be, as in people are I think probably going to go into year three of the Tom Crean era, looking at it a little bit more clear-eyed and realistically. But people who are already ready to move on and bury the guy are just way being way, way premature. Like I said, there's a history here well, yeah, but of, that's, of starting slow and picking it up. But that, I mean, that's sports yeah. now, right? In the social win media now year, culture. I mean, yeah. you fire, yeah. win now, fire him, hire him, you know, um, and, you know, if you think the Braves should get rid of the chop, then you must love Bernie Sanders. You know, that's just... Yeah, I mean, we're trying to stay away from politics and, and whether or not the chop should be... No, I was, talking about ba- I was talking about baseball. Okay. And, okay. Yeah, well, I don't know what yeah. you were talking right. about. Well, um, yeah, I guess we'll go because uh, Jeff, a secret um, resident of New Hampshire, has to go cast his absentee ballot for Bernie Sanders. <laughs> and well, By the way, when, when's the Georgia primary? Is are we part of Super Tuesday or are we after that? Uh, I don't know. That's a good question. We should probably know that. Maybe we'll uh, we'll focus on that on our yeah. next podcast. Yeah. yeah, a damn good prime. Yeah. <laughs> nice, nice way to go. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm I'm of course going to be all things George. All things George. I'm of course going to be doing the same thing. I'll just put my cards on the table as far as my political leanings, like I did four years ago. I'm going to be writing in Kirby Smart. Uh, so. 
I, I do that for every <laughs> position, so whether it's president or uh, local city council. Actually, literally, like a few years ago, I did uh, write in Chip Towers for uh, like on my ballot. I f- how did it you, was some how did local do? election where there was no like it, it, somebody was running unopposed, and I didn't like the person, and I just, <laughs> so I wrote in Chip. It wasn't Congress. Did that or make it into, like that? Did you write a, a Did you write a, a blog on that? Too? I, I should have. I should have. But um, <laughs> uh, by the way, the uh, while you were going on uh, waxing about again whatever the hell you were talking about, uh, the, I, I googled the Georgia primary is March twenty fourth, oh. which will be um, will be right in the heart of the NCAA uh, tournament basketball. Uh, you know, so I won't be doing anything run here. So, so we won't be. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we'll we'll have lots of time to talk about yeah. politics. Spring practice actually will be taking place because spring practice begins March seventeenth. That's a good way to finish. Oh, there you go. Uh, let, let's finish with football. Spring practice begins March seventeenth, but we will be back before that. Perhaps we're not really sure. Perhaps it's that or kind of certainty we? that we bring you on the damn good podcast. All right, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Chop on. That's all I got. (laughs) Chop on. We just stepped on their face with a hobnail boot and broke their nose. We just crushed their face.